Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go, but would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and today's guest is Addison Bevere. Addison is the COO of the nonprofit Messenger International, an organization that impacts millions of people in over 150 countries through its various initiatives. He's also the co-founder of Sons and Daughters TV. Addison is also a new author. This year, he dropped his book, Saints, Becoming More Than Christians, a fresh look at faith for a world losing hope and religion. It's a super timely book, and you can pick it up at addisonbevere.com. You also may recognize his last name. And yes, his mother is Lisa Bevere. If you don't know who Lisa is, well, stop and Amazon her book, Lioness Arising, and you can thank me later. Addison is also married to Julie, who you'll hear a lot about in this episode, and they have four kids together, which, by the way, him and I are the same age, and our lives honestly couldn't be more different. I am single as a Pringle, and he has four children. Fun fact about my conversation with Addison, we talked for such a long time and about such diverse topics that I split the episode into two shows, which is why we're having a special two-episode and one week podcast drop. The first half of this conversation is all about love and dating and relationships, because honestly, anytime I can nail down a Christian dude and ask him about this stuff, you know I'm going to ask him. We talk about how we got married crazy young and they got instantly pregnant and gives four practical tips to know if you've found the one. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to the podcast, Addison. Thanks, Kat. So good to be on here. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here. And I feel like the first elephant in the room that I need to address with you is that 
your mom is like a freaking legend. Your dad is too, but I know your mom. I know Lisa Bevere and I have like every She's, single one of her books. <laughs> She's amazing. I call her Mama Lioness. Mama Lioness. I Mama told you Lioness. before we started recording, I saw her speak right when that book Lioness came out and I just moved to New York City. I was sick as a dog. I, I got the flu four times my first year in New York. I was like, Jesus, am I not supposed to be here? What is happening? And I saw your mom speak at the conference. I literally got healed from my flu. And I just was like, I need this woman in my life. <laughs> and now seven years later, you're on my podcast. <laughs> Come on. There we go. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to call her and let her know right after this. Yes, yes, she's just so amazing. And okay, you can I ask you how old you are? Yeah, I'm 34. You're 34, and you have four mm-hmm. kids. I have four kids. We got started pretty I, young. I need you to unpack <laughs> that for me because uh, I'm 35 what, what part and of it? single like, how, and un- have zero kids. kids well, yeah, like how do you like <laughs> how are babies made? <laughs> <laughs> Is it like the uh, <laughs> the bird, the, what is it, the swan? What's the bird? <laughs> no, it was, honestly, it was, it was unintentional. So wow. we, my wife and I, we got married and we got married pretty young. How and we were on a, I was 22 and she was 19. Oh. So we were, yeah, wow. really Wait, young. so can I ask you a question? Did y'all yeah. have like a dry wedding, no alcohol type wedding? <laughs> well, she was 19, so yes. <laughs> so it was it it was it was a dry actually okay full disclosure we didn't even have food at our wedding it was like a it was a dessert yeah it was a dessert reception there's a long story there wedding this is a this is definitely (laughs) pre-print pinterest and the situation like we didn't have much money to pull it off so we had to get super creative because i had especially on my side of the family i had a lot of people who wanted to be there so we made we made five thousand dollars go really really far because wow. we had two hundred and fifty people at our wedding. Wow! So, so yeah. congratulations on that because I feel like that. <laughs> I mean, that's I, one of the greatest accomplishments seriously. of my life. The fact that so, we had a wedding, five thousand dollars, two hundred fifty people. Dang. We could probably end the podcast there, right? And now we're gonna talk about how to budget. And that's what this podcast is going to be about. Um, Okay. So fun fact about me, uh, if you don't know, if you don't know this, I have been a wedding photographer for 10 years. Um, So I've shot, I don't know, 300 plus weddings. I've also been a bridesmaid 17 times. And so the fact that you guys had a 250 person wedding for $5,000, I feel like you definitely deserve a trophy. And that also means you've been married for what, like 12 years now? Yeah, 12 years this year. Been married for 12 years. Wow. And my wife got pregnant two and a half months after we got married. Stop it. And so, yeah, so we celebrated 11 months of marriage with the baby. (laughs) Almost on the date. We got married on October 25th. We had our first kid on September 24th. And like she, yeah, it was... That just, that wasn't supposed to happen, but it happened. And then once we had one kid, we were like, well, um, might as well uh, keep going because she hadn't finished school. Wow. And so we were, we were on the whole, like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to finish school and then we're going to have our kids. But 
God, I guess God had another plan. And so we ended up having the one. And then once we had one, we were like, well, we might as well have two. Right, right. So we might had a second well just... one, 17. Yeah, I mean, hey, as you're, you're in it, you might as well just jump yeah. all in. And so we had two within 17 months. And then we realized that we were crazy and took a little bit of a break and then ended <laughs> up having two more. <laughs> wow. Because I saw, yeah. I was, you know, I do my Insta stalking and due diligence before all my interviews. I was like, those can't be his kids. <laughs> like, those, are, those are my kids. I have, I have a son kids. who's almost 11 years what old. I mean, it, it wigs me out. It wigs me out. Oh. When I see him, I'm like, I am not that old. But but yeah, you know what you I have is, so when I'm from Texas, I I grew up and I thought, you so know. So am I. Oh, you are? Where are you from? I was born in Dallas and my wife's actually from Texas too. She was raised in Wimberley. If you know where that is, right outside of Austin. Wimberley. Oh, I, oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. It's like in the hill country, lots of hill country, lots of rivers and stuff over there. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Coppell in Dallas. Okay. So I thought, you know, I, even though I didn't grow up in a Christian home, I was like, oh, I'll for sure get married by the time I'm 19 and be popping out babies at, 20 and I all I wanted was to be a cool young mom like I was like I want to be the cool mom you know that volunteers for the PTO and you know everyone's like is she your sister or your mom (laughs) and (laughs) that hasn't been my story I always wanted to have kids really young and I think what's so interesting about you know you're we're about we're the same age pretty much I just turned 35 a couple days ago um I think I feel like our whole lives like age wise, you're on the same track. Yeah. So, you know, if you're 15, you're a sophomore, junior in high school. Yeah. And then after that, it's like you go to college. And then after that, I feel like post college, it's like, dot, like dice just like go up in the air. And, it's true. and then you're like, wow, like I'm 35 and I'm single and I live in New York City and I run this business and here I am. And we are the same age and you have four, like almost an 11 year old and probably a mortgage and all these things. And it's just crazy to me how at this season of our lives, you can have, you can talk to 10 different people and be in 10 completely different spaces. And that's why you really can't compare your journey with other people's journeys. And that's why we do have this tendency to compare because we want to feel this element of control in our journey, but the reality is, I like I like the the metaphor of the dice because it really is like that in so many senses. We we can make plans, but life throws a lot of different things at us, and how we adjust and how we grow in those seasons and how we respond in those moments determine the type of trajectory and the type of direction we travel. So yeah, and and I'll tell you this right now, like I was feeling mad, like having to navigate mad jealousy when I was in my early twenties navigating sleepless nights with kids, Mm -hmm. not being able to travel, being broke, living in, you know, one bedroom, (laughs) one bathroom (laughs) apartment with like my growing and like all of that at such a young age, because I hadn't prepared and planned and all of that. And watching my friends like go on vacations, long vacations and do all these different things. I'm like, man, you know, there's that tendency to want what you don't have. Absolutely. There's, yeah, there's, there's joy and there's meaning and there's opportunity to be found in every Mm -hmm. season. Absolutely. And now you guys are going to have like an empty nest in your early forties and you'll be able to take vacations that you can actually afford as opposed to being like 21. I remember I worked for a nonprofit after college and I was in Uganda and then we backpacked 
quote unquote backpacked through Europe. And we're so broke that we snuck into hostels outside of Rome that were only $5 a night because we were so poor. And I'm so grateful for those experiences, but I'm also excited to go back one day and be like, hey, we should go out to dinner tonight and it's on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to talk with you about your book, Saints, because okay. I think it is such a needed message right now. But before that, I want to talk with you about dating. Just like we're mm. going to do like a fire round. How do you feel about that? Okay. All right. Let's okay. do it. Because I know we're both speaking at Kate Warman's Heart of Dating pod or conference, and it'll be mm-hmm. out and live by the time this goes out. But I wanted to talk to you because, first of all, you're a dude. And anytime I can talk to a Christian dude about dating, <laughs> I corner them until I get <laughs> Um, okay, okay, so I was having a conversation with one of my really good guy friends yesterday. And this isn't okay. just like, oh, this is a lame dude. This is a guy who is like legit loves God with his whole heart. And we were talking about dating dynamics. And I shared an experience of a guy in our church who pursued me pretty hardcore. He was very bold and clear. I mean, I knew this is a date. We're going out. This guy is interested in me. Have this amazing date. It was six or seven hours. Then I legit did not hear from him again. And Mm. we're in the same community. And this person and I, this happened years ago. We have since, you know, reconciled. We're buddies. But I was like, what is it with the no communication thing? And my guy friend goes, oh, well, it was only a first date. You're not supposed to say anything. You're not supposed to say anything unless it's the third date. And I was like, um, who's All these that? unspoken rules, right? Like <laughs> these rules that quote unquote everyone knows. I was like, I did not get the memo. And yeah. I told him, I go, I guarantee you every single girl I know wants to be communicated with. And so then I did an Instagram poll and 95% of the girls that follow me said they wanted to be communicated with all this to say, what are your thoughts about how to communicate if you're not interested in someone in those first few days? Yeah. I mean, I think clarity is a relationship's best friend in, Mm. in every stage. So especially if you're just getting to know someone. So if, so I've been out of the game for a long time, but, if if I, if I was pursuing a girl I, and we went on a date and afterwards I was like, you know what, this just doesn't make sense. And we were in the same community, especially if we're in the same community, there should be a conversation. And I mm. think, I think in many ways it goes both ways. I don't think the onus is just on the guy. I think the girl can definitely step out and be like, Hey, thanks for the great time. But it's clear that like we, we have a great relationship as friends, but it's not going to go any further than that. And I think that, that does a lot of good in relationship. I will say this. So I think, and this is something weird in Christian circles. I think people feel this pressure to know on the first date, whether someone is the one. Mm. And that's just, that's ridiculous. And I I navigate a lot of conversations with people who are dating and they're like, but I just don't know if this person's the one. And I just look at them. I'm like, you don't need to know that. What you need to ask yourself is, did I enjoy my time with her? Did I enjoy my time with him? Do I want to spend time with that person again. And then the day will come, the time will come where you will ask yourself whether this person is the one you want to spend the rest of your life with. And the answer will be clear. But until that, don't try to answer a question that isn't time. Like, it's just not time to answer that question. 
And that, again, going back to what I mentioned earlier, it's a mechanism of control. Like we want to be God apart from God. We want to know everything that's going to take place in our lives, including who we're going to marry. So we try to get all of those answers, all that clarity in this moment, instead of trusting God and journeying through the process and experiencing the beauty of the process. If you know anything about me, you know this. I love Beyonce, Jesus, talking about dating and relationships, and I'm also obsessed with skincare. I started really taking care of my skin a few years ago, and I mean really taking care of it, from regimens to serums to all the anti-aging stuff. And now, as a 35-year-old, the one thing I wish I would have known in my 20s about skincare is that it's never too early to start. One brand I've really come to appreciate is Beauty Bio. They have an incredible, patented, at-home micro-needling tool called the Glow Pro. It's a micro-needling regeneration tool. What they're passionate about? In-office results, at home, and with accessible price points. Because as much as I love skincare, there's no way I can afford $400 lotions and elixirs. It's just not gonna happen. This micro-needling treatment helps create firm, smoother, younger-looking skin with tighter pores. And who doesn't want tighter pores? Not only is it incredible for anti-aging and financially accessible, it also doesn't add hours onto your skin regimen. I'm all about function and efficiency, y'all, and in just 60 seconds a day with Beauty Bio, you'll see results. So go to beautybio.com and check out their Glow Pro Microneedling Regeneration Tool and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order at checkout. That's beautybio.com and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order. I don't know when and how Christians got so weird. And Lord knows I have had my weird moments. I remember my mom, love my mom, reminds me all the time. She's like, remember when you were like 20 and you said you were never going to date again unless it was your husband? And I was like, I do remember that. Um, But where do you think that mentality comes from as far as, you know, I speak with and coach women, single Christian women all the time. And it's like, I don't want to online date because I don't know if God wants me to do that. Or I can't go out with this guy because I don't know if I want to marry him. Why do you think that there is so much pressure on those, on that first date and in dating in general in Christian culture? Yeah, I think it goes back to this idea of we're trying to answer questions that we really shouldn't even be asking yet. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, I think it's, I think it's a control play and uh, Mm -hmm. like with any relationship, any beautiful relationship requires a degree of trust. It requires a degree of spontaneity. It just, that's just how relationship flourishes. And so when you're looking at the beginning of a relationship, I think people are afraid to take some risk. They're afraid to not have those answers. And when you add all the pressure that we put on it, the, the quote unquote, spiritual pressure that we put on relationships, then it just, it compounds the issue. So Mm -hmm. what I tell, what I tell people is look, just spend time with someone, enjoy getting to know them. And as long as you enjoy getting to know them, like keep getting to know them. And if that, if something changes, then have a conversation about the fact that it's changed and go your Mm -hmm. separate ways. Yeah. I just, I think, I think we've made it because it is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. Who we marry, who we spend our lives with. It's a big deal. 
but um, but that process of of getting to know someone we've we've overcomplicated it. I wonder what happens, and I would love to know your your perspective as a guy because I know as as a woman. I can sometimes hide behind spirituality or hide behind, oh, I want a guy to lead me. So whatever the hell that means (laughs) in a dating relationship. And so I feel like girls will stay friends with a guy for a really long time, even though what they really want, they really like the guy. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to do, say, flirt, do anything because he's supposed to lead and he needs to let me know where he's at. And I, I personally think that is a cop out. I I agree. But then it also feels so scary to be like, so then what do I do? Do I like just go up to the guy and tell him what, what are your thoughts on like the girl? The guys are dumb. Like guys are (laughs) dumb. Like, like honestly, like they just are when it comes time to navigating relationships. And of course I'm speaking in generalities. There are guys that are amazing at this, but largely from what I've experienced, guys just don't know what they're doing. Like they don't Mm -hmm. understand the art of subtlety. Like they really don't even understand the art of flirting. I just touched your arm four times. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) like, wait, what? (laughs) So, so ladies, I mean, here's the thing. If you think you're dropping really strong and really great hints and he's not picking up on them, but he seems to enjoy you and seems to enjoy being around you. He's probably terrified that if he takes this step, you're going to reject Mm -hmm. him. And at Mm -hmm. some point, like the courageous people, they win, they win in this game. And I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want to demean it by calling it a game, but like the courageous people, the people who step out, the people who make a move and the people who realize with confidence, like, hey, you know, you're you're a really neat person and I'm a really neat person. We should spend more time together and just see where this goes. Those people have the most success navigating relationships. That's such a good point. I, I think what I haven't thought about and what you just said is the real courage it takes to be vulnerable. Yeah. And how easy is because really if i zoom out what we're kind of doing with each other is playing the blame game yeah so well i don't know where he's at he's leading me on or i don't feel clear or i want to be pursued or i don't want to be rejected whatever the narrative is and pausing and saying you know is love worth the risk and it it actually risky it's freaking well yeah it's like it is from step one to say, and I think even when I've been in long-term relationships, even the moment where you're like, do I tell him I love him? You're, I'm like, right. you know, we've been dating for a long time. Like we feel very strongly about each other, but I'm like sweaty pits, like shaking. <laughs> it's just relationships are vulnerable. And yeah. I just wonder if Christian dating would break through and be so much less awkward or difficult or confusing if we all were kind of like, you know what, let's just like dare to be vulnerable in this. And there's something really attractive too about people who just say what they mean and mean what they say. Mm -hmm. And they're not trying to play the games. I know when I'll give you a bit of backstory for me, when, when my wife and I met, she was a complete party girl doing drugs, had multiple boyfriends, just we, we were in different worlds, but we got connected through a mutual friend and, and we went out and I, I mean, I, I had an idea of like where she was and what she was doing, but I, I didn't have the full picture. 
And it was like, it was just something special. We had known each other as friends for about a year, but then we went out and it was something special. And over the course of a week, she gave her life to Jesus. She was healed from multiple things, including like some really severe father wounds, like some, some healing began. And she decided instead of going to Texas State, she actually wanted to go to this Bible school. She didn't even know what John 3.16 said, okay? So just to <laughs> give a picture of where she was. And I told her, like, look, you don't have to go to Bible school. Like, you mm-hmm. don't have to go to Bible school to marry the son of a preacher. Like, I was, I was trying to explain that. And she's like, no, like, I really, like, I want to do this. I want to be full on. And one of the things that she told me, she's like, I couldn't figure out what game you were playing because you were so honest and upfront about how you felt, about what your intentions were, about how you saw me, about how you saw our relationship. And that created a lot of safety for us because, you know, I am, I was leading the relationship because I'm a few years older than her. And also just in our dynamic, I was the more mature one. And that created a lot of security for us to have Mm -hmm. those conversations. Well, long story short, she ended up going to a Bible school that was super legalistic and restrictive. They wouldn't even let us talk for nine months, nothing, no letters, no communication. They said we had a, again, this is Christianese that I think is hilarious. We had a soul tie. And so we could not talk while she was in school. And, and so I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention the name of the Bible school, but anyway, so nine months go by. We're not, huh? But I'll tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't in Texas, but so nine months, I wrote her every day for nine months, but I couldn't send the letters. So when she graduated from the first year, then we were able to talk again. And I gave her over 400 pages worth of letters. And I was basically wow. like, here's the last 275 days that we missed oh together. And I asked her to marry me um, a month after that. And oh, so, Girls are just (laughs) dying. Listen to the story. But, but my point is, my point is number one, like I did hardcore missionary dating, flirting to convert. I did all of that. I know people say, don't do that. And I would say you need to do, you need to proceed with caution. Like if you're looking at doing that, that's, that's, that's a risky business. It's a dangerous game. Um, But I knew like the peace of God was all over it. And I also knew that I was more confident in in my wholeness in Christ than she was in her brokenness outside of Christ. So I knew that I would essentially like who Christ was in me would overcome and speak to the lack and the desire and the hunger that was inside of her. And so so and that that became apparent very early on in the relationship. I mean, I think what's really interesting about your story and I think it's important to acknowledge is you know, I think in dating, especially girls, I, all I know is the girl perspective because I am a girl is we always want the formula. So, you know, is, does he listen to this worship band? Does he go to this church? What does his quote unquote quiet time look like? And, you know, what theology books is he into? And it's almost like we're looking for this like script so that we can know if we're like doing it right or not. And I think the cool thing about the marriage relationship is ultimately it's a shadow of our relationship with God and how all of us come to know Jesus is totally different. You can get a thousand people in a room and a thousand different stories. And, you know, with marriage, you know, 
people ask me all the time, should I marry a Christian? And I would say, like, my pulpit answer is yes, 100%. Like, you want to be with someone that shares your heart. But I also have many friends who maybe one person was like way further along than the other person when they met, but that one, that other person like had this desire to grow or neither of them were Christians. And then a month before they got married, one of them accepted Christ. And then a month after they got married, the other one accepted Christ. And all that to say is I think we want this like cookie cutter formula. And I, I do think there's wisdom and, and, me, I don't even know if, what the right phrase is, like best practices, or maybe it's just wisdom and seeking God. But everyone's like story wisdom. is going to be different. wisdom is good. Yeah, yeah I, like, I like wisdom. I like I like describing it as that because the reality is wisdom transcends nuance. And so when we seek to have a heart of wisdom, then we realize that God doesn't deal in transactions; He deals in relationships. And, and really, like, that's a fundamental shift that a lot of us have to have with how we view the gospel message. So many of us reduce the cross to a transaction. And in a sense, it is transactional, but ultimately, it's an expression of relationships. So when it comes time to dealing with marriage or dealing with friendship or whatever, when we reduce it to a transaction, something that we can control, we reduce it to, to a shadow, to a, a facade, to something that isn't in line with what God intended for the expression of two people coming together. So while I'm all for wisdom, I, as you said, like best practices, the reality is God brings people together in some unconventional ways at time. I think the important thing is the trajectory. Does the like are they traveling on the same path? Yes, one person might be farther along than the other, but are they traveling on the same path? And I joke about it like the first couple years, my wife, like I was the one kind of like leading in the relationship as far as spiritually. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like the rest of our lives, like she's been pulling me along. And (laughs) I mean, like, I'm serious, like the depth and the wisdom and the understanding and the sensitivity to the presence and the word of God in her life, it's so beautiful. So my thing was my relationship with Julie energized my relationship with God. And I think that's what people should ask themselves. Like, is my relationship with this person energizing my relationship with God? Is it making me want to draw closer to God? Is it making me draw more into his word, into his presence? Or is it pulling me away from God? I think that's a great litmus test because that that more so has to do with what God's doing in your life and less to do with what God's doing in the other person's life because people get into marriage cat and they try to control their spouse and when we when we attempt to find these control mechanisms before marriage and try to fit our spouse into those we're setting ourselves up to to live by a cadence that's very detrimental after you get married i am so grateful for my friend stephanie may wilson and her heart to create content to help me walk into a place of god's presence with trust She has a new prayer journal coming out. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. It's perfect for any woman who is navigating any sort of uncertainty about her future. It's a prayer journal for seasons of waiting and uncertainty, times of transition, and making big decisions. So whether you're single, married, a stay-at-home mom, or career woman, or anywhere in between, this prayer journal is for you. And I cannot wait to share it with you. The Between Places Prayer Journal launched a few weeks ago, and you can pick up your copy at smaywilsonshop.com. 
And Stephanie also created a special promo code just for the listeners of the Refined Collective. The code is REFINED and it will take 15% off at checkout. So again, to pick up your copy of the Between Places Prayer Journal, just head to smaywilsonshop.com and use promo code REFINED for 15% off. And what would you say is an example of people or you guys even, maybe even just from your own marriage of like, I think sometimes we're controlling and we don't even realize we're doing it. What are a few examples of that? Well, I think we're talking about controlling. You're talking about what, I'm sorry, let me, let me ask a follow-up question. What specifically? Like just control in general? Yeah. So you're saying, you know, what can happen when you get into that marriage is like you're, you have two people that are then trying to control each other based off, I don't know, their own expectations or my mom paid the bills. So like you should be the one paying the bills. How do you think that control has manifested or manifest within marriage? Yeah. Well, I think ultimately, and I'll I'll use a, a biblical term here. I think, I think it really is a form of idolatry. I think what we're doing is we're moving ourselves in the place of God um, in that person's life, as opposed to allowing our lives to be a reflection of God. And mm-hmm. there's a huge difference. Yeah. And God is the only one who gets to exist in the past, the present, and the future. We get to exist in the present. And there's this tendency that we have in relationship to look at someone and be like, you should be further. You should do more. You should whatever. And it moves us into this place of control and and that's just not that's not how this is supposed to work and so it's it's the spirit of god that convicts it's the spirit of god that transforms and it says in romans 8 that it's the those who are led by the spirit of god are the sons and daughters so it doesn't mean that you don't have difficult conversations it doesn't mean that you don't confront things it doesn't mean that you don't speak to the growth and opportunity in someone's life what it does mean is you do it from a certain position of trust knowing that ultimately God is the one who does eternal works in our lives that energize what we see here and now. So good. And so, so gracious and, and also truthful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Okay. One more kind of relationship question, and then we're going to jump into, we're going to jump into your book. Um, Just in the vein of you know, like you, we can, I feel like there's a theme that keeps coming up when your answers of like trust, trusting God. And yeah. I think as human, we want to get it right. And so instead of trusting God, we just want to get it right. Um, so let's talk about when you're dating someone. And I know that you and your wife just did a talk on like five ways to know you found the one. And I don't want to yeah. like, I don't want you to like unpack all of that. But maybe if you could just give maybe two ways to know um, or discern that you've found your person? Yeah. Okay. So we did get five. I'm trying to think which two I want to share. All right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with these two. So the first one and in Philippians four, we read about this, but it's a piece that transcends all understanding. Mm -hmm. In other words, it can't be confined to words. And what I love about that passage, Paul's essentially saying, look, you don't get to have peace unless you let go of anxiety, worry, your concerns, like you don't get both. Because if I give you my peace, this is God speaking, if I give you my peace, Mm -hmm. when you're holding on to your worries, my peace will actually feed your worry. And so it's it's an exchange. And it's a beautiful exchange. He's saying, look, Mm -hmm. if you give me if you articulate your worries, your cares, your concerns, if you give those to me, I will give you my peace. And it's a peace that transcends understanding. 
And so that's the first thing that, that we talked about is the peace that transcends understanding because it guards our hearts and it guards our minds. And we also talked about Colossians 3, 14, 15, where it talks about peace is like an umpire in our lives, making the calls. And so it's really hard to know who you're supposed to marry if you're not living from a place of surrender. And from that place of surrender, we can find peace. So that was one. Another one we talked about, and I hear this all the time, Kat, when people are trying to figure out if if the other person is the one, they ask questions like this. Well, I just don't know if we're compatible, or I just don't know if we're going to have fun together, or I just, you know, I just don't know this or that or that about the other person. It's always about the other person. Always. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to make me happy, whatever it is. And what I look at people, and I say, all right, that's great. But let me ask you this question. I ask, I said, are you willing to lay down your life in the context of marriage for the rest of your life for this person? I said, that is the one question you need to answer. Because the reality is who we are in many senses is fluid. And there are different parts of us that will come out and come to the forefront in the different seasons of our lives. I mean, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen flavors of my wife come out when when she started parenting or when she started working or right after we got married that I didn't see before we were married. And as she has matured and grown with those new strengths emerges new weaknesses. Like that's just, that's how it works. That's a part of the growth process. And then as you navigate those new weaknesses, then you grow into new strengths. And so that's, that's the big question. I just look at people, I'm like, look, answer this. Are you willing to lay your life down for this person for the rest of your life in the context of marriage? If the answer is yes, then you found the one. Mm-hmm. If the answer is, I don't know, keep searching. Yeah. Because that's ultimately, so and that's, that's the picture that Paul gives in Ephesians five. Like that's, that's it. Right, right. It's it's a yeah. glorious sac- sacrifice, and it is a radical, regardless of which way you look at it, whether it's Christ laying down his life for the church, or essentially the church laying its life down for Christ. Like either way, it is beautiful. It is complete. It is holy. It is comprehensive. It is everything. And and I think a lot of people don't go the distance through the struggles of marriage. And the struggles is where we find meaning. We know that. We live in a culture that says you can find meaning in ease, but we know that meaning comes through growth and growth comes through tension and hope creates tension. So if you're going to if you're going to live a life of hope, you're going to have tension in every area of your life. That's just how it works. And so for us in marriage, realizing that the tension is actually a sign of hope, it's a sign of greater things. And as we navigate that tension, we grow closer with each other and closer with God. And that's why my wife and I, 12 years into our marriage, I am more attracted to her. I believe in her more than I ever have. I'm more connected to her. I'm more in love with her. I am a bigger fan of hers than I've ever been. And we're 12 years into this. Love it. That's so good. And we've navigated some stuff. You know, we've been, we, we, we've been through stuff. I mean, 12 years, you're going to go through two months into marriage. You get pregnant. (laughs) I would say, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I just wrote a chapter for my book on Ephesians five. And cause I feel like there's so much, there's so much damage done by those verses taken out of context and you know, wives submit to your husbands and you know, and husbands love your li- wives like Christ loved the church. And I, I like looked up the Greek there and the Greek for submission is, is like this <clears throat> military term. And essentially what it means is like, will you go to battle for this person? 
Like yeah. that's what that yeah. is. And I just was like, dang, I wonder why they chose that word. Um, but like when I think of, I'm a heart on my sleeve type girl. And if I, like, if I love this new Ben and Jerry's ice cream, everyone in the whole world's going to know it. And I can't not talk <laughs> about it. And so when I'm like crazy yeah. about a guy, that's how it is too. But if I yeah. am with a person, so I almost got engaged four or five years, five years ago now. And I was so confused. So no peace. Right. And I'm like, Oh, should I, what should I do? What should I do? You know, he's talking to my dad and I just feel so confused. And so no peace and things ended up ending. And it was only in hindsight where I realized I would not be able to go to bat for this person because really underneath all of it, like we were attracted to each other. He loved Jesus, but he did not treat me well. And I did not respect him because of that. And I didn't respect myself because of that. And I was so confused though, because I thought, oh, I'm supposed to submit to this person and, you know, marriage is hard. And so I'm supposed to maybe our, I just honestly thought Addison, our marriage is going to be one where it is just sanctifying and I'm just going to die a thousand deaths. And like, God wants to use our story for redemption. Like I was just so confused in that moment and we ended things and it was like the veil lifted from my eyes. And I was like, wow, like, yeah, marriage is hard, but I didn't have that peace. And at the end of the day, neither of us we're going to lay our lives down for each other. In fact, it would have been a marriage of me just completely quieting myself to appease this person. And so I just think of that, you know, when you say, are you willing to lay down your life for that person? Like, I feel like that sounds like archaic almost in our time, especially we're like, let me live my truth. And I want to be a part of something as long as it feels good to me when like, Honestly, at the end of the day, like, I feel like our partner, our spouse is that person that you're like, this is my ride or die. And like, don't mess with my ride or die, or I will mess with you. And if you look at it, to your point, you're talking about Ephesians 5, you look at verse 21, it talks about mutual submission. Yeah. So submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And if you really dig into the Greek, in verse 22, where it says, wives, submit to your own husbands, the word submit in the Greek actually is not in there. Mm. It's in verse 21, but it's not in verse 22. But that's, we could get into a major tangent going yeah, there. Yeah, we could. But I want I have I have conspiracies. to conspiracies. I have to say this, Kat, because you brought it up. One of the other five points that we shared, okay, because you, you hit on this. Now I got to share it. And it kind of balances. Although it's not really a balancing act, it really just adds a layer to the tension. Mm. Because we, we think of life as something to be balanced, but really like that life doesn't work like that anyway. Um, this is this is the one. Does being with this person validate and encourage and honor who you are today while inspiring you to become something more? So it's both of those together. So does this person's presence in your life make you feel confident and secure in who in who you are in this moment, but at the same time, open your eyes to the you that Christ sees. Open your eye to the eyes to the you that is fully alive, fully unhindered, fully unentangled. And that's that was one of the other points. So I I, I 
I had to yes, say that. I'm so glad you said it. And it just reminds me of, I think I, I think I read this on your Instagram. My pastor here in New York says this all the time as well. His constant question to us is who are you becoming? We're all becoming something and we're all headed in a direction with every thought, choice, action, or in action, we're headed somewhere. And what is that trajectory? Like, where am I headed and who do I want to become? And is, is this person is, am I going down a path that I feel called to feel like God is on that path and, and, and is becoming a person that is leading me? I feel like I don't know how else to say it without saying it this way, but like to become our best selves, which is ultimately like the most healthy version of our, oh, is, you know, the God version. Hey, hey, that's biblical language. Look at Colossians three, yes. look at Romans six. It's biblical language that has been stolen by the humanistic agenda. So I, in fact, in the book Saints, I use true self constantly throughout the book because it's, it's, a, it's a biblical idea. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.